0: I invite you to open your Bible or one of the Pew Bibles to the book of the prophet Isaiah chapter 40 for the reading of God's holy word beginning at verse 12. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So let us ask the Lord's blessing upon the reading and hearing of his word. Our Father in heaven, We give you great thanks that you have welcomed us into your presence through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name for the work of the Holy Spirit to grant to us spiritual wisdom and understanding and insight. We pray that you, by the power of your Spirit, would open our ears so that we might hear your voice speaking your truth to us, and grant us grace to receive it in true faith. To the glory of your name, amen. Let us hear the word of the Lord. It is written, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created thee. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait For the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. To the true and living God, immortal, invisible, be all glory, honor, and praise. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. I've been mulling over recent events in our nation and wondering what kind of pastoral counsel might be offered by means of a sermon, even though we are extremely comfortable here in this air-conditioned sanctuary, having or, or in our comfortable homes, or having driven here in our nice cars, <laughs> well-fed, well-clothed, probably with plans for a pleasant afternoon, thanks be to God. Uh, beneath our superficial comfort there might be some lingering anxiety, discomfort. We are living in what are for us for people like us, (laughs) unusual, uncertain, and turbulent times. When the lockdown hit in March, I had no idea that we would still be dealing with it at the end of August. But here we are, and evidently here we shall be for the foreseeable Future, What a stretch this has been. And do you remember, do you remember how we rallied in prayer, our entire congregation, along with thousands of congregations throughout the nation, throughout the world, offering prayer without ceasing, not only for those who had been afflicted with COVID, but also for our political leaders, our government officials, scientific researchers, and medical professionals. And do you remember how we prayed earnestly and especially for spiritual awakening and revival? We cried out to the Almighty to pour out His Spirit to convict and to convert the unbelieving, that they might turn to the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. We prayed for the Lord to purify and strengthen the church. We prayed for national spiritual revival. Do you remember that? We prayed for revival. And we got a case of police brutality which set the stage for a Marxist revolution. Don't miss the connection. It's not an accident. There is no way that that was an accident. And it wasn't a misfire in prayer. Now, I don't pretend to know exactly what to make of it. But it has been said in all seriousness that in any true awakening, the first one to wake up is the devil. So if we've been praying for awakening and revival, perhaps the Lord has answered that prayer in His perfect wisdom by calling us out of our comfort zones, and requiring of us increased faith, deeper devotion, serious self-examination and personal repentance on the issue of race relations, and self-sacrificial discipleship in His service for the sake of evangelizing this rebellious world for the glory of His name. Now look, I want everything to get better and easier as quickly as possible as much as you do. I want all of this bad stuff to just go away. But what if God has an agenda that is much bigger than my personal happiness and temporary earthly comfort? I can assure you that he does. And that's the reason that God's Word tells us to count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, James 1 and that the Lord disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness, Hebrews 12, and that we must put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Ephesians 6, that passage refers to the invisible, spiritual, demonic powers at work behind and through the Marxist anarchists in America today and in all of the anti-Christ, anti-Christian ideology that is pervasive and has been for quite a while in American education, entertainment, media, and major business corporations, as well as the demonic influences behind the totalitarian governments around the world. It is a spiritual battle, not merely and not primarily a political battle. It is a spiritual battle, and we are called to stand fast against the enemy, not to retreat fearfully into our comfortable bubbles. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. Our enemy is much greater and much worse than the mere humans you see on the news. And it may be that in answer to our prayers for awakening and revival that the Lord is testing the genuineness of our faith, 1 Peter chapter 1, requiring us to believe, truly to believe that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Romans eight twenty eight on your refrigerator, right? even and especially as Romans 8 goes on to say, when we are experiencing tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. Yes, all things for good, even when we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. That's what Romans 8, 28 and following says. Do you believe that? That's what the Bible says. That's when Christ's people prove themselves to be more than conquerors through him who loved us. Maybe COVID-19 won't pass as quickly as we wish it would. (laughs) It hadn't. Maybe this riot in American politics is going to get rougher than it is right now. I don't know. I'm not predicting anything. I'm not predicting anything. But I know that throughout the Bible, whatever the earthly circumstances, we are called to persevere in faith, to run with endurance the race that is set before us, to press on toward the goal, to fight the good fight, to keep the faith and to wait on the Lord. All of this biblical language, it's all over the Bible. The language of perseverance, endurance, struggle, and waiting on the Lord implies stress, adversity, uncertainty, discomfort, danger, and fatigue. Fatigue. Not just physical fatigue, but spiritual fatigue. Spiritual fatigue. Do you know that every book in the, in the New Testament was written to a community of believers experiencing adversity? Every page of the New Testament was written to believers in Christ who were experiencing adversity of a very serious nature. So where do we get the power to endure whatever God calls us to endure? When we look at these uncertain, unsettling, quite disturbing developments in our nation, we need to look up to the everlasting God who rules over heaven and earth and him whom alone we must trust. To whom shall we go? Isaiah 40 teaches us to focus our attention not on the political powers of the world nor on our own human power, but rather on the power of the everlasting God. Isaiah the prophet, 8th century B.C., spoke prophetically to the Jewish people who would suffer as exiles in Babylon. Foreseeing the Babylonian conquest of Judah and the exile to come, foreseeing their adversity, foreseeing the insurmountable odds against them, foreseeing the threat of their extinction, foreseeing their fear and fatigue, Isaiah spoke the word of the Lord to them in order to bolster their faith and to fill them with hope when they might have otherwise despaired. The passage begins with a series of rhetorical questions appropriate for us today. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, the hills in a balance. Ask yourself that question. When you think about the uncertainty and the anxiety swirling around us, think also about God. Think about the infinite and eternal power of the Holy One. Ask yourself the prophet's question, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Think about it, the Atlantic, the Pacific and all the other seas and oceans that cover the globe, the Mississippi, the Amazon, and the Nile, all the waters that cover the globe in the hollow of His hand. Water covers 75% of the earth's surface. Now, the last estimate I read suggested that there must be something like 326 cubic miles of water on the globe with over a trillion gallons of water per cubic mile. So if my calculator is correct, I'm really bad in math, you might want to check this. It comes to something like 326 quintillion gallons of water. That's 326, followed by 18 zeros. Now, wouldn't you agree that that's a lot of water? Well, it depends on who's counting. It's nothing. It's a teaspoon of water to the God who holds the waters of the globe in the hollow of His hand. Who has marked off the heavens with a span? Okay, let's try this one. Stretch out your arms. How much of the heavens can you measure? Our galaxy, the Milky Way, is something like, I think, 100,000 light years from side to side. And light travels, so I understand, at 5.88 trillion miles per year. So if we multiply that by 100,000, then I think that's the measure of the expanse of our galaxy. That would be 5.88 trillion times 100,000. And I don't know if I got that exactly right, but the good news is I'm not teaching astrophysics. My point is to impress upon you the immensity of our galaxy, which is only one of billions of galaxies in the universe, a universe which is measured by the span of God's hand. Of course, the poetic imagery of God's hand is, f- is figurative. It is, it is not literally physical. Physical. But the Bible speaks to us in this way to make its point. The universe in all of its mind-boggling magnitude is nothing in comparison to the magnitude of God's infinite and eternal being who has enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Well, how much would that weigh dust of the earth, all of it, Rockies, Himalayas, Andes, Adirondacks, Appalachians, and the Alps, to name a few. <laughs> How are you going to weigh them in scales? Of course, again, this is, this is figurative language to make a point. It is intended to boggle our imagination and to show us that we cannot conceive of the infinite being and power of God, And so it calls us, trust in Him. And God is not only infinite in power, but also infinite in wisdom. Verses 13 and 14. Who has measured the Spirit of the Lord, and what man shows Him His counsel? Whom did He consult, and who made Him understand? Who taught Him the path of justice, and taught Him knowledge, and showed Him the way of understanding? The answer, of course, is no one. Isaiah's questions remind me of the question which God Himself posed to Job in the midst of his suffering. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Now, that's not a cruel question insensitive to our suffering? It's a compassionate question, which calls us to entrust ourselves and all our suffering to the infinite, eternal, sovereign, holy, almighty, all-wise, all-good, everlasting God. And with regard to His sovereign rule over Human rulers on earth, verses 21 through 23, ask, Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is He who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants look like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing, and makes the rulers of the earth as empty. He blows on them, and they are gone. You see, in the grand scheme of God's sovereign purposes throughout history, even the most powerful rulers on earth are as nothing before Him. As the prophet Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar, the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever He will." And therefore, we do not put our trust in the princes of men. There is no earthly political power. There is no kingdom on earth. There is no nation which will last forever. And therefore, our identity and our security, our citizenship must be secure in that kingdom which does endure forever. The kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. At verse 25, we hear the voice of the Lord Himself speaking in the first person. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like Him? says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see. He who created these, he who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. When's the last time you tried counting the stars? It's a it's a great activity, especially with children, out in the country, away from the city lights. We need to do that. We need to do it more often. Astronomers estimate that there are about 200 quintillion stars. That that figure keeps bouncing up, doesn't it? Quintillion. That's that's 200 followed by 18 zeros. Well, that's enough for every person in the world to count about 35 billion stars without one star being counted twice. So, that's your homework. That's your takeaway drive out of town tonight and count 35 billion stars. Ah, Of course that's ridiculous, but the point is not ridiculous. It is mind-boggling, and it ought to be awe-inspiring, and hopefully it will give us confidence that the one who calls all the stars by name and loses none of them calls us by name and will never, ever Lose us through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Dearly beloved, when we begin to question or doubt the goodness, righteousness, power, or wisdom of God, we ought to catch ourselves and turn our minds to contemplate who He really is and set our minds on His infinity and eternality. Whenever we wonder whether God is really big enough for the problems in this world, if we ask if God is truly sovereign over all things, if He is really guiding history from its beginning to its end, or if the world is spinning out of control, we need to remember, we need to remember that we are not the only people in the world who have asked these questions. The Jewish exiles in Babylon asked these questions 2500 years ago. Do you understand that through faith in Jesus Christ, we are connected to them? They are our spiritual forebears. We're part of that family that twenty five hundred years ago had their land destroyed and was hauled off to a strange and foreign land and here we are today worshiping the same God more fully more clearly revealed to us in his son jesus christ do do, do you do you know that throughout history? Christians, believers in Jesus, have have lived under tortuous persecution unto martyrdom, the spilling of their own blood for Jesus' sake. Do you know that right now Christians in the world suffer that faithfulness unto death? In the world today. We may be asking these questions, but brothers and sisters, these questions have been asked throughout the centuries. And the answers are still the same. He who measured the waters in the hollow of His hand, who weighs the mountains in scales, who calls all the stars by name, is the one and only one who rules over heaven and earth, and there is nothing like Him. And compared to Him, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, less than nothing and emptiness. And His Son, Jesus Christ, has said, I will build My church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he's with us today and he's upholding us today and he's calling us to follow him today in our place. And therefore, in times of crisis, trouble, uncertainty, anxiety, the question should not be about God, but about us. Will we trust in him alone? Will we persevere in faithfulness? Will we wait on Him to accomplish all His purposes? Will we honor Him unto death? Or will we fall away in fatigue and put our trust and our comfort in the idols of this world? Verses 18 and 19. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness compare with him? An idol? Craftsman casts it, a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. But still today, the mind of man is a factory of idols. That's a quote from John Calvin. But idolatry is not limited to primitive religion or foreign cultures, idolatry is the worship of, it is the trust in anything which takes the place of God, and it is rampant in 21st century America. It includes political power, military might, financial prosperity, social popularity, technology, fame and fortune, health and beauty, you name it. If we look to any of these man-made or man-powered forces or sources for our comfort and peace and security and hope, they will always ultimately fail us. And so Isaiah and all of Scripture asks us, here it is, is your God big enough, wise enough, powerful enough, faithful enough? Only the one and only everlasting God is enough. Are you trusting in Him alone for the present and for all eternity? What does the future hold? None of us knows. But the everlasting God knows and declares the end from the beginning and works all things according to the counsel of his will. How will God work all things in our present day for our good and his glory? I don't know. God has not revealed that specifically. There may be more judgment and affliction before there is deliverance and comfort. And if there is, will you still trust him? Will you press on with Him and for Him and toward Him? Dearly beloved, the everlasting God who measured the waters in the hollow of His hand, who weighs the mountains in scales and calls all the stars by name, before whom the princes of the earth are nothing. He, the true and living everlasting God, has come into the world as one of us in human flesh and blood, to suffer the afflictions of this fallen world, to suffer at the hands of evil, to save sinners from the curse of sin and the dominion of the devil. The hollow of that hand which holds the waters of the globe has been pierced with nails for the sins of the world, yours and mine. And that hand holds you, too, secure in love. If you have received the gift of that love through faith in Jesus Christ. In His infinite wisdom... The everlasting God has designed a wondrous work of salvation in which his unyielding righteousness and his tender mercy are united in a perfect harmony. Jesus Christ crucified so that we in union with him through faith might live forever in his everlasting kingdom and Risen from the dead, He rules and reigns over all. Jesus Christ in the book of the Revelation is introduced to us as the ruler of the kings on earth. And He who calls all the stars by name calls you by name and calls you to take up your cross daily and to follow Him in faithful, joyful obedience in 21st century America. He has promised to be with us always, and so He is. Be cheerful, not fearful. And when you feel fatigue, hear the word of the Lord. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait... For the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are faithful and true, all wise, all powerful, all good. And you have shown us the victory of your love in the offering up of your Son and his resurrection from the dead and his ascension into heaven and the promise of his coming again, that our only comfort might be that we belong to him forever. To the glory of your name, amen. In response to the glorious gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ, let us stand to affirm our faith. This is our yes and amen to the Word of God in Scripture. Dear Christian, what is your only comfort in life and in death? My only comfort is that I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ. At the cost of his own precious blood, he has fully paid for all my sins and has set me free from the dominion of the devil. He also watches over me so well that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. Indeed, all things must work together to fit his purpose for my salvation. Therefore, because I belong to him, Christ, by His Holy Spirit, also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly ready and willing from now on to live for Him. Amen.